When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to another edition of Irish Illustrated Insider, brought to you by irishillustrated.com. Pete Sampson, Tim Priester, Tim O'Malley. We've seen our final open spring practice before the Blue Gold game, so we're going to talk a bunch about that. Burning up the boards, questions from our readers. we got Blue Gold game weekend, which obviously is big for recruiting, so we're going to get into all that as well later in the show. But first, out of the gate, you know, we saw two hours of pretty interesting stuff, full pads, kind of full contact in some instances. Um... And I thought, you know, we saw some guys moving up, moving down. Uh, I know that Brian Kelly talked a little bit about how everyone's taking a step forward. Logically, that's very difficult to accomplish. But there clearly are some guys who are making a move in a positive sense. I think one of the best springs probably belongs to Miles Boykin. Enough so that they're working their best wide receiver in a different, somewhat of a different position at the X. I mean, that could be because of changes in the or not changes in the roster, but a lack of depth there with Stefferson's hamstring injury. But just for Boykin to really make strides enough where they think, you know, we've got to get the guy on the field, EQ, move over here. And that, that's one way to do it. And the back the, the backfield depth, I mean offensive backfield, they, they're going to be able to run the ball this year. These, these running backs are, and Dexter Williams has a new fire under him because he's going to get passed. If, he's not, if he hasn't been already, he needs to try and get that job back. They have three guys that can contribute right away in the backfield. They really do, and, and I mean, I don't think any, I, I would agree with you when you say Boykin, but I don't think anybody could have had a more impactful spring than Brandon Wimbush. I mean, just the way, just the way he carries himself, the physical abilities, the maturity, maturity on the field, maturity in the interview room, um, the leadership. I, I, I said, you know, I was glad to hear Brian Kelly say it yesterday. It was something I said a couple of weeks ago that, you know, when you look out there, you don't. You're not thinking. Well, I wonder how the young quarterback's doing. He, he's he's in control of the situation, and that's real promising. I warn everybody with a guy with three years of eligibility. There's there's going to be some growing pains. It's it's virtually inevitable. But uh, I, you know, 2017, 18, and 19 with him as your quarterback. Well, hopefully, let's not get ahead of ourselves there. But <laughs> hopefully not. It. Actually, he'll be so good. That well, that, yeah, that's true. I was just thinking of Kaiser and what you thought you still had, uh, you know, left with uh, Deshaun Kaiser. So, um, you know, real positive. I, I don't have. It's very difficult to offer too much of a critical uh, analysis or a, a critique of the offense because it's just been that good this spring. Yeah, I agree. Miles Boykin is. I wasn't expecting that at all. Um, not just this spring, but any spring. I I thought he was just sort of a guy, and he has shown, I think, really good hands, which was something I think we had some questions about. And yesterday, I think there was a pass he caught in front of Dalen Hayes who had dropped into coverage, and it was sort of like your toe-tap, falling-out-of-bounds type stuff. It was great body control. So, you know, it's – I don't want to – Put him ahead of Chase Claypool. My <laughs> personal affection. Well, they're different. They're, they're different players, which is which I think is interesting. Both big dudes. He doesn't yeah. listen when he runs. No, no his helmet seems less shiny. But the Alize Jones, Claypool, Boykin, Equiminius St. Brown. That's um, 
That's a lot of guys who haven't done a lot in college games, but there's also a lot of guys when you yeah. look at them and practice, like, wow, that is just that was a matchup problems all over the place. Because newsflash, everyone has a five nine corner somewhere that they have to play. As Bob Yako would say, that is one heck of an extended catch radius. Yeah. Those four guys have. No, you saw there were two throws in the uh, was it the four minute drill, the field goal drill. It was a four minute drill where Boykin just went up and got two throws from Wimbush. And you know Wimbush just knows he can do those things. It wasn't that they were terrible throws. He just puts them in a place where only that guy can get it. And, I mean, Notre Dame's got pretty good corners out there, too. We like we like the corners at Notre Dame, and mm-hmm. these wide receivers are beating them. And they should. We should point out all these practice reports. Most of these touchdown, 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 touchdown are red zone drills and seven-on-seven drills where they should beat the corners more. Absolutely. Uh, you don't get a ton of scrimmage touchdown throws yeah, there's, there, when there, you're watching. It, most of those, there's no pass rush. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, the quarterback's uh, unimpeded. But I do think there was a, a, a comment on our message board Comparing Claypool and Boykin and how that will impact one or the other as far as playing time, and I think they're they're two really interesting players because to me, I look, I, you know, I still consider Boykin tight endish. You know, he's never going to be really, really fleet of foot. He's not going to be a St. Brown or a Claypool athletically. But your point, Pete, about the toe tap on the sideline, that's a good sign. Um, you know, I don't. I think Tim, you and I agree. You know, Claypool has not caught the football as well as as Boykin has, but you got confidence that that's yeah that yeah. you know that's going to straighten out. And the great thing about Claypool, or one of the great things, is you can line him up in the slot, um, and he's a real difficult matchup problem. Number one, number two, he blocks better than most wideouts. So com- combining all this. You know, I think they Brian Kelly's uh, high water mark on points per game. I think is thirty four point two in two thousand fifteen. All things being equal, I think they've got a chance to exceed that this fall. I'm not saying they will, but I think they have a chance to exceed that. Well, they might need to because yeah. yes, uh, absolutely. Flipping to the defensive side of the ball, um, there's no question. You watch Notre Dame safeties and just see a lack of material back there. Um, the tackling that I watched on Wednesday was it was a struggle. Um, that's a group they really need to improve in that department, and they've got, I guess, some time to get there. But it's I wrote this in the practice board. Harrison Smith's not walking through that door. Nor is Zeke Mata or Jamor Slaughter. Um, this is this is sort of at the low end of the safety talent that they've had. I'm not saying they don't have young guys who can't develop, and Isaiah Robertson might not. It could be good over the long haul. Same with Stud Still and Jalen Elliott. They barely played, you know, in, in terms of their whole career. They have ability. I mean, those are good athletes yeah. back there. But man, they have got to take a huge jump this summer uh, for Notre Dame to have a, a good defense. There's a lot of long runs this year in camp, and that is a bad sign for safeties and their angles that they're taking and no, things no. like that. And if you expect it from Isaiah Robertson. You mentioned he took a bad angle on a long touchdown run. Well, he just vanished. Yeah, that, yeah. yeah he just he wasn't even like, on there. <laughs> was he the orange cone that yeah, Brian Kelly he, talked about a couple of years ago? He ducked out of view, and he was still on the field. I think the telling thing is Tim Priester asked Brian Kelly what he has at safety. In the and he proceeded to try to list all the safeties. He listed the safeties. tried to cut them off like, I know who's back yeah. there. <laughs> I want to know who can play. Yeah. That fell into the. I have. I have so many options. I couldn't name one. Like it, it was just. They they have guys back there, yeah. and I think that we've sort of critiqued the defensive line that way too. Where they've got a bunch of guys. It's not a question of having people on the roster listed at that position. It's you have guys who can play, who can push the envelope forward for you defensively. And right now, I'm just not so sure. I think safeties are more promising than. 
interior D-line. Yeah, yeah, I mean, Tillery that, has uh, experience. Yeah, that's what but I mean, the one guy, though, that I think is... Yeah, I mean, he's the one that can brilliant. certainly bridge that gap. Yeah. Uh, you know, I did want to bring up uh, Kelly's comments yesterday about when I when I asked about the, the safeties and... The, and I, when, you know, he said we could put a guy back there, and I wasn't thinking in terms of Julian Love because Julian Love is their best cover corner. And he's also their best safety. He's, and, he's pro- <laughs> and he is their best... And he's their best safety. But if you get a, a healthy Sean Crawford back, you have him and Watkins. I'm not completely sold on um, Watkins yet as an every-down guy. But, you know, he's a boundary corner and a, and a guy that can be physical and be good against the run. But if you have a healthy Crawford, now you have some flexibility with Love back there. And now you feel really pretty good about three of the four uh, spots in the secondary. Plus your backup corners are still good. You didn't weaken things because the corner's going to get hurt. This year, yeah. I mean, this happens. Vaughn and Pride are better backup corners than Notre Dame has had. This they're they're the they're the fourth and fifth corners. So they're the better they're the best fourth and fifth corners I can yeah I think of another close. Yeah. close in a very long time, and that's an important thing because one of those guys will be moving up during the year because one of these top three guys isn't going to be able to make it all the way through the season. It just happens. Yeah, I mean the defensive line. I watched them a little bit yesterday. I thought Tillery did a few good things asking around the program beyond just Brian Kelly's commentary on him. Uh, it seems like he's clicked in a little bit more. Football is kind of more important to him. And I thought Dalen Hayes looked excellent yesterday, not just rushing the passer and getting after Wimbush, but also stopping the run and setting the edge and doing some things that require some physicality, which we haven't seen a lot of. But, um, you know, the Jay Hayes, can Jay Hayes sort of give you half of what Rochelle gave you last year? I think it's reasonable. I think, think he'll give you more than half. Um, but, you know, a, a functional, yeah. s- strong side type end, I think he, he's more than capable of that. I, I would like to, I would like Brian Kelly to, when we ask him about Dalen Hayes, say something other than he had so far to come. You know, we don't, and even when I asked Mike Elson about it, he said, well, he was a running back in high school. And then, I mean, they don't even. We played 10 games in high school, basically, in three yeah. years. So I mean, you understand the question mark. I, I I would I would feel better about Dalen Hayes if Brian Kelly would say, you know what, he's really making progress. He's hold, holding the point of attack. He's showing he's strong enough to to set the edge. And we haven't we haven't heard that yet. And that's why Dalen Hayes. I'm getting ahead of myself here, but that's one of the the guys that I will definitely be focusing on Saturday. Mine is uh, for for Saturday. I really like to look at the interior line, and this is basically because we go to these practices. It's not only that your eyes are drawn to the perimeter matchups because they're more fun to watch wide receivers and corners in practice. We're at field level. You actually can't see. I can't at least see that well if there's a push on the line. You only see guys I that bet shoot. Harry Eastan can. I bet he's better <laughs> at it than I am. I can only see a guy make a great play. So you want to see who holds the point and stuff like that. And I'd like to see... I'm not interested in what Quentin Nelson does to them because he's probably the best guard prospect in the country. But Alex Bars is solid and Mustafer is solid. I want to see how these yeah. t- defensive linemen fare against Bars and Mustafer because they're going to face a ton of Bars and Mustafer all year. I mean, if Quentin Nelson's beating Jerry Tillery on Saturday, that's fine. He's going to yeah. beat the other guys, too. So you want to see what they do there. And, yeah. and of course, So that's Bonner versus Bars, yeah, really, yeah. is the, the matchup you're looking for Cage, there. He, Cage looks like, Cage. let's say, it doesn't matter if you're out of shape in the spring because if you look good in the 10 snaps... Maybe you can look good in 30 snaps in August. And the thing about, I mean, Dalen Hayes, if it's one versus ones, he's going against Mike McGlinchey. So and that's, what, that's a yeah, good that's test. That's what we saw yesterday. I yeah, thought he did, he did a pretty good job. I so mean, now you, you got, feel worse about McGlinchey. No. I mean, <laughs> it was like... That's what spring football does yeah. to you. <laughs> it's like he hit... He, there was one play where he 
sort of gave a, a power rush and hit McGlinchey right in the chest um, and sort of made him step back and then peeled off and went for Wimbush. And you saw McGlinchey react to it afterwards, and he was pissed. Like, he knew he got beat. So I'd like Dalen Hayes to beat Mike McGlinchey yeah, a few yeah. times. No, that's a good sign. Um, you know, the other side, I'm quite interested to see what happens with Jay Hayes versus Kramer and Eichenberg because – I don't know. Uh, I, you I, want I don't, Hayes to win that for yeah, yeah, but I don't. I don't know what they have yeah. uh, at either of those positions. So that's something I definitely will be watching on Saturday. Now, if Jay Hayes is beating Kramer with a pass rush, you know that. I mean, that's probably not a great thing. And now you're now again, you get back into Kramer or Eichenberg, and you know I've felt all along, Harry. He's staying. I don't, I don't want to say this the wrong way. I mean, I think he wants Kramer to win the job. I, I don't want he to wants say him that he to, went. He wants him to win it, not he doesn't want to put it Right, yeah. but but I think that, I don't know. I, you know, I, I, I should not maybe root, I should. He's not rooting for it. No, I don't, I don't mean that, you but think I think that when he adds case. up, yeah, when he adds up all the, the, the talent that Kramer and Eichenberg has, he sees a little bit more upside with Kramer just because of the, the sheer size. Yeah, there's a, and we've said it a bunch of times, look. Kramer could be a four-year starter at right tackle, and Eichenberg can be a three-year starter yeah, left tackle. That's right. fine. That's fine. It's a good place it, for Notre Dame. You know, it's a it's a good tandem to have going into this year. I guess. I mean, is heading towards Saturday. Is there any? Um, I don't know a position group outside of the obvious. We talked a bunch about individuals. I'm I am curious to see a little bit more from Tranquil yeah. at Rover based on what I saw Wednesday, which is really the first time I've had a chance to watch him because I thought he was out. I thought he was outstanding. Um, and I had somebody who works in the Goob tell me that, I mean, we think this guy could be an All-American quality linebacker. He's not saying he's going to be an All-American, sure. but play at an All-American level. And that was told to me before Wednesday. And I was like, all right, sure. Yeah, it sounds great. I know he's a great guy and everything. But then you watch him play, and you're like, okay, I could buy that. I mean, he was he was really, really good on Wednesday. I was shocked. It's a different role, but it's more similar to safety. His freshman year, when his job was to come as a dime linebacker on third and eight, he was great at it. Mm-hmm. He, and then he got moved back to safety, and he wasn't great at it. And that's what people remember, because he's a linebacker covering people right. down the hash. It didn't make sense. I mean, they needed him. It's not like Notre Dame could just say, hey, we can play anywhere. But he's <laughs> in the right position now. Uh, it is a bad sign if we go to August camp. And Drew Tranquil is back at safety next to Nick Coleman. And they just say it's because Bilal's so good at Rover. They I like Bilal at Rover, but if you're doing that, it means your safety's yeah, going to play. Yeah, they, they won't do that. I mean, they'd move Love there full-time before yeah, they would do I would that. Think so I, don't too. Want, I don't want to see that that happen either. But he does look good. And I want to. And Rover, I don't know how much they're going to show us in terms of scheme. I mean, he's probably going to play the most basic thing possible at Rover. Mm-hmm. But I am interested in watching a new new position. I think uh, Tranquil will, will lead the team in tackles for loss, the same way that James Anawalu did off that off mm-hmm. the edge. Will he lead the team in sacks? I, that you know that I I don't know. I mean, you want it to be Dalen Hayes, mm-hmm. uh, but I think Tranquil could. But I don't. I don't want to go that far, not having really seen how it's all going to unfold. But. Tackles behind the line of scrimmage, I think he's going to be the guy that leads him. His eyes lit up, well, it's two weeks ago now. We haven't been yeah. in a while. When when someone mentioned about, um, is your position allowed to blitz? And he's just like, yeah, look at himself <laughs> like, he's like I, I have some fun with that. So he he will be coming off the edge at times this right, year, too. As we wrap up segment one, just the format of the Blue Gold game, it's one versus ones, no live special teams, no live quarterbacks. Those are slight changes from past years. So one segment one, your MVP for the Blue Gold game 2017. Priester. <laughs> the first name that popped in mind was Austin Webster, and I, I <laughs> would serve you right. It would, yeah, because I'm not real big on walk-ons being 
captains, but I am impressed with him because he does run well. And he's he's I mean he's legit out there running pass routes. He he, oh, he, he, he really player. is. Yeah. Um, you know I hate these kind of questions, Pete. Why are you asking me? Because what about I, Tony Jones. Tony Jones is who I was going okay. who yeah. I was going to say, but I can see this happening, and it's going to be in my Thursday thoughts. I I, I put I only. The blue goal game is another practice. I'm not going to change my mind. If Tony Jones fumbles, I'm not going to change my mind about him. If Brandon Wimbush is intercepted, I'm not going to change my mind about him because you got to look at the entire body of work. So I guess I would say Tony Jones, but no, but does anybody ever really correctly predict something like this before Fink. a blue bowl game? I'm going with Pete. <laughs> We're going to end up talking to the 12 captains <laughs> post game and Fink because he's going to score three touchdowns. <laughs> no one covers him, man. You ever notice that? Yeah. <laughs> that's He's because, open. Well, look at all the other yeah, receivers running around yeah, out there. Right. Who would you choose? Uh, it would probably be Jones, but I, and I mean, I think I do think Fink will score at least one touchdown in the game. Yeah, Chris Fink will be your blue goal leader. Yes. Okay. Book it. All right, that's it for segment one. We got a bunch of questions from our readers next. Irish Illustrated Insider. Segment two of Irish Illustrated Insider, our Burning Up the Board segment, starts with a question from Irish ND23. Looking back to past spring games, what were some performances that meant something and were a glimpse into the future, and what spring game performances were famous, famously fool's gold and meant nothing? Well, I mean, a, a fool's gold one, which is weird in retrospect, is Harrison Smith was the MVP of the Blue Gold game at safety in 2008 before they moved him to linebacker where he couldn't play <laughs> and then moved him back to safety where he became a first-round pick in the highest-paid safety in the league. Um, Justin Tuck was a uh, spring game M- MVP, I think, in 2003. Oh, that's a nice one. That turned into something. Um, you know, and then I think Brady Quinn won it probably, which he was good. So, yeah, I mean, there's some time. We, look, the junior jabby joke has no statute of limitations. We will continue to tell that long after we're not covering Notre Dame anymore. Charles Stafford scored Charles five Stafford scored five, five touchdowns. Oh, okay. Yeah. That would be high on the list, too. But, for the most part, the guys who win MVP are actually kind of good. Um, and so, if it's Chris Fink, that he would definitely apply in that group. Um, Nate Montana looked great, if we're going the other side. You remember Ooh. that? Running around, throwing I the ball. I do not remember yeah. that at all. Um, I, You're making that up. <laughs> he, Nate Montana threw three touchdowns. Um Reese and Chris, when they were battling it out for the role, so 2011, Reese has, uh, you know, Chris is back from his injury, and he can't be hit, but they were both really bad in the game, and I remember asking him afterwards, because it was a true quarterback competition, and they said, well, we were just working on our weaknesses, and I didn't buy that for a second, and as it turns out, they weren't that good at quarterback that year. I mean, no, really, it was a quarterback was the problem, the 2011 team, that team has, if you look back at that roster, has NFL talent and future All Americans the next year for Notre Dame right. all over it, and it was it looked like quarterback would hold it back, and it did. So that's kind of the bad side of seeing something that that came true. Um, we thought Malik Zaire looked pretty explosive compared to the beginning of spring. I guess if that makes sense, and that didn't really pan out once. Uh, and I, w- I don't want to say he never looked good in August though, because we thought he looked pretty good in August, right? At times. Hey. I have a good one. Uh, the 2015 Blue Gold game, Deshaun Kaiser looked like garbage. Oh, he was oh, terrible. God. You're right. He was absolutely terrible in that game. He looked like and a voila. <laughs> He looked like a baseball player that yeah. day. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, second question, Buffalo Irish 1. On a scale of 1 to 10, with 10 being the most confident, how confident are you that Kevin Stefferson plays in 2017? 1.8. I was going to go almost to 3. 
two to three. See, I'd go. I would go higher than that Just because plays. he's this year doesn't mean this terrible. I mean, it doesn't mean everything's yeah. over. I would go higher than that because yeah. he's he is out there this spring. Yeah. So, I mean, what whatever the issues are here, hamstring, etc. I guess he's my, fighting and they're fighting to keep him in the program. I guess my thought is the summer months can be a little bit of an issue sometimes for people that are fighting to be in the program. Well, they need to fight their way through it. Yes. You know, it's not like it ends now, no. the, the, the process of trying to keep somebody totally involved. Um, but if it's mostly hamstring and minor something else, then he could go higher, right? I mean, what if, what if it is mostly hamstring? Yeah, and it's look. It's not like they don't have any other weapons in the in the passing game. However, this is a guy that yeah, stepped yeah. forward and was second on the team in touchdown receptions. He's legitimate deep speed where you've seen it, and he it, he translates his speed to football, which is something guys like Corey Holmes could never do. Um, so you want him out there. Yeah, he enhances it. He like, enhances, yeah, oh yeah. Flip side of that, right. he's actually faster, I think, with pads on than than without. I guess what I'm saying is, guys. if there was some type of discipline at the beginning, but the most of it since then has been hamstring, you could bump it up higher than yeah. two or three. But if it's just ongoing everything yeah. along with hamstring, well, the, the other thing is, I mean, he's a he's a proven performer at least on yeah. in one year, whereas Claypool and Boykin and Elizay Jones. Aren't. He was a proven performer in a year where apparently there was no leadership design or any desire to get better. So that's a pretty good job. And also, like, I want to slow down on Stefferson here because, I mean, there were some instances where he would stop running around. Yeah, that's yeah. yeah. no, it's like, I, He's not Will Fuller. And there, yeah. and there were segments in the last half of the season where it's like, why isn't Stefferson on the field? Well, he got benched for most of the USC game, but he came in, was targeted twice, one was a 31-yard touchdown. So it's a yeah. weird situation with him because he was not he did not start they were not playing Michael Floyd and Golden Tate over him they were playing right. Chris Fink and Corey Holmes but I was talking to another writer and he's like either bench him or don't but you put him in he scores a 31 touch 31 year touchdown then you sit him back down for the rest of the game it was a really weird well I'm not gonna I'm not gonna yeah. question somebody's internal discipline no it's just player, a strange but... it's a straight well it was a weird no it... you're right he disappeared but then he would be out there so it wasn't like total discipline yeah. whole thing was weird all right scheme guy have your expectations for the 2017 season increased or decreased following spring camp? Uh, I mean, I think as spring has progressed, you feel better and better and better about the offensive side of the ball. Nothing for me has changed on the defensive side. I thought the linebackers were good last year, and they're all back and moving Tranquil up there to a position where I think he's going to be effective. Um, you know, I mean, uh, no, for me, nothing really has changed. I think the offense has a chance to be really dynamic, and I don't believe a defense until I see a D-line safeties. Any team, any program. Yeah, I agree with that, because I think the defensive strength is outside in instead of inside out. You're not up the middle strong. I mean, the middle, middle linebacker is good, but your corners are your best position. Your linebackers are your second best position. And then the two positions that matter most, or the, the position that matters most might be your worst. And then the one that strikes up the band might be the worst. It's safeties. <laughs> Strikes so, up the bell. Okay, you know, you. There, there's some issues there when you look at it that way. I think maybe the offense I like even more. I thought the offense would be good going in. I love the way – I like what Chip Long's offense looks like from what we see. I think they have the pieces to run it. Um, Wimbush looks very, very good. As I said, we're only going to see Brandon Wimbush struggle when you get the fourth quarter in a tough game. Will he struggle? Will he play the same? I mean, he's going to look good in the spring. He's going to look good in August. Yeah. He's just – he's a good – quarterback in these situations uh I, I i kind of think the running game will be what we thought it would could be so i think maybe a little better because the offense look i in a monday musings i said they're going to break the notre dame record of 37 oh, points per game you did say that too so i i guess i think they're better than i thought going in 
Because if you score 38 a game, you should be able to beat a lot of teams, right, in theory? Other than Duke? All right, you guys have thoroughly answered this question. <laughs> I'm in the same camp. Well, I just let, let me just say one more thing. Uh, I'm encouraged by the defensive ends. I think both Hayes can be effective players. But who plays behind them? You know, I mean, the I, linebackers. I, yeah. <laughs> that what you mean? I mean, Okwara has, you know, uh, yeah. upside, but, you know, who plays behind them? And Trombetti has yet to prove. Brian Kelly keeps pointing out Khalid Kareem, and then I have to remember that he was on the practice field that day because I didn't. That's the listing of players. You just yeah. Just guys, oh. names. Yeah, you're right, though. He hasn't, we shouldn't single him out. A lot of people haven't uh, distinguished themselves. But yeah. There's a lot of guys, as Pete said up front, there's just guys right now, and they have to turn them into players. Yeah, I mean, Khalid Kareem, that's something that, like, once fall rolls around, if he's taking some Andrew Trombetti reps on the second team, that's a good sign. Um, all right, Dip98, your instant analysis recap of the tackling drill was the stuff of nightmares. On the Sunday after the Georgia game, are we going to wake up to multiple stories about our safety's inability to tackle Nick Chubb in space, or will Mike Elko fix it before then? I would think that tackling's a concern until we see it, right? It got better last year as time went on, but they weren't. I mean, it, we were comparing it to the worst tackling we've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. Right? I mean, yeah. they, they, they weren't great tackling Navy. They weren't great tackling Adoree mm-hmm. Jackson. No. And they weren't great tackling in space after the catch against Virginia Tech. So I think their tackling got better because it was horrid. But I do think guys are in the right position, and I know you think that Elko can really help. Fun- Listen, this is the number one thing. Fundamentally, if they're a good tackling team, Learning fans can be happy about the team next year because then they can keep some points off the board if they can tackle. Two things encourage me about the safeties. One, those are those are talented athletes back there. And two, Elko's coaching them. And I thank goodness that Mike Elko is coaching them. But how that translates six months from now against, you know, I, I don't... I, I, it's a good question, though, because if they're fundamentally sound on defense, just take everything else out of it. They should be fine as a football team. I agree. I mean, you just need to be good at the stuff that is taught. The, like, fundamentals, that is a coaching issue. That's teams that are fundamentally sound are well-coached. Those are one and the same. And I think Mike Elko back there is the reason to have legitimate optimism about that. It's I mean, you sit there watching practice and you think, how in the world did they just have Todd Light coach the entire secondary in modern college football? Basically a first and a second year assistant coach with no real Division One experience. And they thought that was a good idea. That's that's mind-blowing to me. With no position meetings. Yeah. Hello. <laughs> but having Elko back, all gathered together and talk. Having Elko back there at coach the safeties. And it's it's fun watching him coach. And it's more so it's fun listening to him coach because he's talking human to human to people, and it's just, his point is making sure you understand, opposed to just yelling at you. And I'm not saying he doesn't yell, he does, but he wants to make sure his message is conveyed clearly, and you get it. And the way to do that is to just, I'm going to have a conversation with you about that, and I think that the players will respect that. And that's where the coach's clinic was enlightening, because what you just explained was for 45 minutes I sat there and listened to him talk and I understood everything that he was saying about how to create you know ball dis- disruptions and, and create turnovers. And now do you see, Pete, how hard it is to not relitigate everything that happened yes. last year? By comparison. It's, it's, it's just, just it's impossible. It, I want Three things for your point, Tim, about if the defense is just okay, that it, it should be fundamentally sound. Fundamentally yeah. sound. So here's what I want to see the defense do in the fall. Be decent against run. Don't have to be great. Be decent against the run. Limit the big plays, obviously, which That's is going to be thing, yeah, yeah, which is going to be very difficult 
um, to do, and then scheme your pass rush because you're not you're not going to get maybe Dalen Hayes will be a breakout guy and you can rush just four. I doubt that he's going to be to that level this fall. So Elko needs to scheme a pass rush. Next up, Irish Bob. In his Wednesday presser, Kelly noted that, quote, I don't think anybody's taking a step back. What say you? Well, I think the definition of step back, Brian Kelly's definition of step back, for me, is is different. Because if you're the same... As a veteran. As a veteran, that means, in, in Brian Kelly's opinion, he hasn't taken a step back. But for me, if you're the same then you're worse as a as an upperclassman, right? Would yeah, you agree I, no, with that? I completely agree. I, I don't think it's possible for a redshirt freshman, for us to say redshirt freshman takes a step back because we don't know. And I think he his his de- definition is correct about super about young guys. Like, hey, if they're he kind of mentioned, hey, they haven't checked, no one's checked out. We're not looking at anybody saying that right. guy can't do it. But when you're hitting junior and senior year, you should be the guy that's pulling ahead. So there would be some. All right, so we have. I think we all have a list of guys that yeah, we think, have, think so. ta- yeah. have have either stayed the same. Or actually taken right. a, a step back. But again, we only see a smidgen of practice, and Brian Kelly has the best judgment on that. We just don't know if that's just coach speak when he says that. Yeah, I mean, he wants to keep everyone engaged. Because right. what's he going to say? <laughs> yeah, there are three guys who took a step back. Yeah, he gets and our a follow-up lot. question is, name those three guys. Which he gets in a lot of trouble when he offers a, a, a public critique. Yeah. So just he not... can't do that, apparently. There's, I mean, there's no upside to no. doing it. There's only upside on the team, yeah, Pete. Yes. You didn't know that. Um, I mean, it, it's fair to say that the breakout early enrollee wide receiver, Kevin Stefferson of 2016, has taken a step back this year by being third, yeah, third string. For sure. Uh, C.J. Sanders was kind of the guy that everybody pointed to, including Brian Kelly last August, as a difference maker. I don't. When do you talk about C.J. Sanders over any of these big receivers? And you don't talk about him over Chris Fink. That would be a step back. He's a junior. I mean, that's a, it's at least a mile. It doesn't mean he's not contributing. It's a step back, though. Stud still was kind of falsely, but challenging a senior for a starting safety role as an early and early freshman last year in the spring. And he's... I, I know he's probably still battling Elliot, but have you ever watched practice and thought, man, Stud still's going to reel in Elliot? I'd just like to see a safety make a play. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, the, the, I mean, the one play... Isaiah Robertson made a play in the yeah. red zone and actually picked off Wimbush. It's like... It's, it's I, like, I came. I went running to O'Malley. <laughs> Safety made a play. <laughs> it's a unicorn. Yeah. <laughs> still made a play after that. I think it was okay. Like I missed drill. that. Same I, drill, I'm, yeah. being, I'm being drill. unfair. They double team Smythe, and he knows what on the on the where the where the tight end uh, buried himself at the goal line, and he reached around and back. Is yeah. that the one you're talking yes. about? Well, he didn't have to. All he had to do was reach around him. He didn't yeah. have to do anything with his feet, really. This is like, <laughs> this is like <laughs> Pete made fun of us for saying that. <laughs> Kevin was no longer stationary. He switches ends. I don't. I don't want to be. We're being unfair to to those young guys, and that's why I say there's talent back there. I mean, there's physical talent back there. They just need to learn how to play the position. Next up, Swarbrick for Prez. Is Coach Long going to be calling the plays from the field or from above? Also, which assistant coach do you see having the most impact on the sidelines, bringing the energy and motivation? I.e., who's the hype guy? Chip Long was asked that uh, a couple weeks ago, and he said he had no idea. So we'll see him again tomorrow. We can't. Yeah. We, yes. still might not. And I mean, you're talking to him tomorrow, yeah. right? So you make sure you ask him. And we should probably ask Brian Kelly about that. Um, he was in. He oh, was yeah, in. A, he was in the press box for at Memphis. I think most guys with just the situation of the stadium are going to be down on the field this time, right? They're not going to be doing much press box stuff. 
Oh well, I mean, so, yeah, on Saturday. On what, Saturday, what no, no, Saturday it's not. It's, I didn't know if he meant. Saturday. They have no seats for the media in the press box, so obviously it's closed. <laughs> yeah, one. I would assume he would be. Well, we'll find this out more so in August. We could. We can ask Brian Kelly. Uh, we should have asked Brian Kelly yesterday when we found out all the guys were. He might not know. Right. Maybe, Maybe August is the time you know where they. I, would, I mean, I would assume <laughs> Long is up and Elko's down. Right. Elko was down for Wake. Yeah. Well, that's a little bit different. Defensive yeah. coordinator is different. I think. I mean, I think most offensive coordinators want to be up top. Yeah, I mean, Diaco was up. Yeah, yeah. I'm not saying that. I mean, there's an exception to the rule. I was just saying I think most offensive coordinators would want to be in the press box. Who's the hype guy, Pete? Who is the hype guy? I don't know. I mean, it's not Greg Hudson. It's not Greg Hudson. I mean, I think Elston maybe a little bit. Um, Well. Polian, Polian. Yeah, there you go. Right. <laughs> I don't know why it took me yeah, that's exactly two right. seconds. To come well, he right. is, and Elson yeah. is too. Elson's been incredible all spring. Yeah, uh, I mean, with his energy. Next up, Smoflow Flow twenty five. If Jerry Chillery quote puts it all together, just how good can he be? How high could he go in the NFL draft if he knocks his last two years in South Bend out of the park, or would he even be draftable? I mean, I want to see him make some plays against Georgia before I get him in the NFL. But Jerry Tillery has the ability to be a very good defensive lineman this year for Notre Dame. If, as Pete kind of mentioned in his practice report, it's the most important thing to him this year for the next seven months. You know? I mean, he doesn't have yes. to be... He doesn't, he's not a year-round 24-7 football guy, but he has to be during the fall in August. And when you're at every well, summer got, drill... No, he's going to have to be that in, in May, June, and July. Yeah, in every summer extent. drill. But, I mean, yeah, yeah. he does have... He does, he's a smart kid that's got other interests. He's not. He doesn't live and breathe football, but he has to do it more so than he has in the past. I think there's promise for Jerry Tiller in the NFL as an offensive tackle. I think one thing you guys talk about a lot is the athleticism he brings to the position. He's not... He can bend, as you yeah. said many times. He's not... He's not. A, I mean, he's not a stiff guy at all. He can play defensive tackle. He's... He looks like a defensive end, but he can play defensive tackle. Defensive tackles are just bigger now than they used to be. So I guess when I see a six six guy, six five guy, I always think end, but it's not the way it is anymore. No, yeah. no, and you know he's, I mean he's going to walk away from Notre Dame as a four year starter. So yeah. and, and and with that size, the NFL is going to everybody's going to want to at least take a look. I will tell you this: he's an early enrollee. He will probably graduate before he will graduate. I almost guarantee it before his senior year starts, and he then like Zeke Mata did, can totally focus on football as a senior. Zeke Mata literally said out loud, I don't have any classes anymore, so I can focus more on football. <laughs> it was one of my favorite revealing things a guy has said. Cause, but you know what? People are like, oh, that's terrible. He graduated in three and a half years. It's not terrible. Yeah. He could be allowed to go yeah. down, do whatever I, he wants. But <laughs> I'm not sure. You know, Tillery's outside interests include academics, but yeah. I think it goes well beyond that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, I just think if you're if you're not in 15 hours of class all the time, you can probably be a little bit more. Jerry Tillery putting it all together as a defensive tackle at Notre Dame is still a limited prospect to on the next level. I I, I think there's a well, there's about, a there's a very definite ceiling to how good Jerry Tillery can. The NFL is a different world. So how about what is his ceiling at Notre Dame this year? Without seeing, you know, just what you saw at the end of last year, what you saw in the spring, um, and his talent. Sheldon Day type productivity. But not the best Sheldon Day that we saw, right? No, but I mean, much better than Jerron Jones. Yeah. Um, you know, Except I. Except for one game. Yeah, but I mean, just for the season, you know, it's a kind of a, a Sheldon Day, uh, yeah, a, a, a playmaking interior I can't defensive line. I, I, can't, I, I can't, can't go to Sheldon Day's senior year because he was just a. Yeah, I'm just saying, force, big picture. Big picture Sheldon Day. Day. I would go with. 
Jerry Jones had a Jerron Jones had a had a season in one game. So. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't mind if Tillery's month had this, that many tackles for loss in September. Is what Jerron Jones did. He had seven. <laughs> it was. Yeah, I think that's high. I would. I think that's high. I think. Uh, I think Rochelle at his best is Rochelle. I thought was better as a junior, which is fair to say because everybody was better in fifteen mm-hmm. than sixteen. That would be nice to see because Rochelle had twenty seven stuffs. That's amazing. Yeah, I feel like Tillery could Different. play on the other side of the line of scrimmage, whereas Rochelle yeah. couldn't. Um, so I think that's where Tillery just has at his best. Yeah. And I'm saying... Oh, you are saying ceiling. I did a ceiling. Yeah. yeah. I did a ceiling. I'm saying the best case scenario is a Sheldon Day type season where you look at the Michigan State game where Jerry Tillery was throwing people around. Yeah. Um, he looked great. If he can do that for seven, eight games, that would be, that would be a huge step up. Um, you mean against the three and nine Michigan State team? So yeah, that that's one, what okay. I mean. Okay, that's what I mean. <laughs> then Notre Dame would be better off. All right, Irish Texas wrapping up spring and heading towards summer. Do you get some hope that maybe, just maybe, the defense front will actually be okay? Not world beating, but just okay. I don't yet. I mean, Jerry Tiller has to do what Pete said. Daniel Cage has to come back. Jay Hayes has. I might have to put a moratorium on my Jay Hayes talk. I think I can't believe he hasn't been solid yet. Every time I watch him practice, he seems pretty good at football to me. When have you watched Jay Hayes and not thought he looks like he should be playing more? For no, two and a half years, no right? Times. Yeah. So I, yeah, I think I guess they could be solid, but we have to see it first because they're just. That's why I think he can be a Rochelle type. Yeah. Solid plus. Yeah. yeah. You know, when I asked Mike Elko this, and uh, this was several weeks ago, but his answer was, "I but I tell Brian Kelly that we have to be." So that's my only answer. It wasn't a glowing endorsement of the guys, though. Was, this I would love to have Elston this week, too, because you talked to him four weeks ago. Yeah. So this is the longest spring. It's eternal. You, it's the longest you, spring. I know I throw out these kind of comments, but it is definitely the longest spring in Nordic football history. <laughs> this is, it's going to be seven weeks! This is the Matt Farrell of springs. the best longest spring of all time. <laughs> no, you're right. It's about seven weeks. But about seven weeks ago, Mike, Elko, or Mike Elston was not high on the defensive line. I'd love to talk to him about it now. That'll be an interesting conversation because I think I'm sure there's been some some upward mobility there. I don't right? know, man. Oh. I don't know. What did Elko say about the length of spring? <laughs> he just <laughs> mentioned it's like how's it going? I mentioned it's kind of a long spring. He's like, yes, it, is kind of, it started in winter. <laughs> I was at Bowling Green at Wake Forest. Yeah. We we went out. We finished it. We yeah. that was it. We we're done. Boom, in and out. It really has gone on. It's, it's the longest Nordic spring football I've ever seen, and they used to have 25 spring practices. <laughs> I said twenty recently, but it it was twenty five. Spring, it was twenty five, and it was basically condensed into, you know, you had Easter in there, and I, I don't think they worried about spring break back then. If it was spring break, <laughs> you're you're practicing football, yeah. but so maybe it maybe it lasted five weeks because of Easter being in there. But did they tackle or thud back in those practices? I don't was remember too many whiz? thud <laughs> practices. That was a whiz up. That was <laughs> that, that, that was your term of the year. Oh well. I should have told us all we needed to know when they were whizzing. Oh. <laughs> not a lot. Of, not, I, I mean, I, I I would love to have more confidence in the defensive line, and I will if they show a reason to be confident. And I don't think that we've seen that. Yet. J- uh, Dalen Hayes, progress, confident. Jay Hayes, confident. Tillery, experience. We have talent. Mixed- His. His talent also goes above his the physical, regular. Yes, yeah. his, absolutely. I mean, frame and his physical talent. Jonathan Bonner, uh, we had a debate the, the other night on uh, our message board about tweeners. 
Yeah, if you're a great player, Solomon Thomas, tweener doesn't matter. Okay, but Solomon Thomas had to build up to yeah. where he is now, and that's a probably a top five uh, NFL pick. But you're at a disadvantage when you're a tweener. If you're short at defensive end, you're not going to get leverage on the tackle. If you're undersized on the interior, you're going up against 330-pound guys that are 6'4", 6'5". Being a tweener, you're, you're starting behind everybody when you're that size. You know who uh, never gets called a tweener? Players who are really good. Like well, Sheldon, what, Sheldon Day was kind he was of a, a tweener. No, he absolutely but was. We never referred to Sheldon Day as a no, tweener. No, because he was so lightning fast off the right. snap and could crease gaps. Yeah, you're no, you're absolutely right. And I was thinking about that when I was responding. He definitely was a tweener. And that's coming into play in the NFL for him. Yeah, no question. All right, well, in an attempt to get this podcast back on the rails, we're going to end segment two. We're going to get into segment three. We've got some recruiting stuff. NCAA rule changes, recruiting. Brian Kelly had some commentary on that yesterday. A lot of visitors coming in this weekend. We'll sort of preview that. Uh, so all that next, Irish Illustrated Insider. Segment three of Irish Illustrated Insider. We talk recruiting, and there's a lot to talk about with the visitors coming in town for the Blue Gold game, but also... The, the significant rule changes that uh, were voted on last week. Pete, you wrote about it. The early signing date is, is uh, you know, the pro- probably the biggest uh, aspect of this. No two-a-days, but how many two-a-days did Brian Kelly said three. they ran? Just three. Uh, and then the 10th assistant coach, which is something I don't understand. That's been on the docket for more than a year. They, vo- they approved it in 2016, and now it doesn't come into play till in January 2018. 18, but for Notre Dame, it doesn't matter. Tom Reese will, was is there and was going to be there one way or another. Yeah, I mean, the early signing day, that's sort of the big story nationally. I think the big story locally, uh, and I mean for Notre Dame, is the early official visits because there are so many times where you have kids say, yeah, I got an offer from Notre Dame in February. I really want to visit the spring. And then September rolls around and it's like, you know, I really want to visit Notre Dame. Now they can pay for me to do that. And now you will be able to do that starting in the class of 2019, um, which means in the spring of 2018, that you can take an official visit in April. You could take an official visit to Notre Dame this weekend for the Blue Gold game. There are some rule stipulations that might complicate whether you could take an official visit for Irish Invasion, the big summer camp, um, because I think you can't work out at the camp, but... Maybe you'd be able to just visit that weekend. That's June 10th this year. Um, you know, those are those are things I think that will be significant to Notre Dame because you look at the guys who are taking visits this weekend. They're from Florida, Georgia, Oregon, Ohio, Arizona, Texas, Michigan, Maryland. A lot of those guys probably, if you, if Notre Dame was paying for it, you may have twice as many guys coming in this mm-hmm. weekend. And I think Notre Dame would prefer that. I got to do a, a sort of back and forth with somebody on our message board about, well, is how much is that going to decrease attendance in the fall for games on those official visits? And I, I would say you're still going to come out ahead because if you take an official visit in April or May or June, you really like it, your interest is going to be peaked enough that you're going to come back in the fall. Nordham can give you free tickets to the game. That's a immaterial cost. You just have to get here, and you can sort of figure out how to get lodging taken care of where you're not paying $350 at a Marriott. And they can stay with 
players at that point. I, I, you know, you got a pre-existing relationship because right. you probably you hit right. it off. Yeah. In you know, I don't think Notre Dame is going to come in and put you with a player. Right. But if you're, let's say, your receiver from, let's say you're you're Braden Lindsay of next year, and you're like, you know, I took my official in April. I really hit it off with Miles Boykin. Hey, Miles, I'm coming out for the weekend. I uh, bought my tickets. I've got I got tickets to the game from Notre Dame. You know, could I crash on your couch? Then I think Notre Dame's going to be like, okay, whatever. Um, they just roll with that. And I did read your story, but you know, my recall at my age. Um, <laughs> the 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 early official visit. I mean, that's going to benefit everybody else too, right? Well, I think it visits more for programs in areas where top prospects are not located okay. and programs that have to recruit nationally. Notre Dame checks both those boxes. Yeah. Whereas at Stanford, they have a lot of prospects locally, but they have to recruit nationally. Notre Dame has to recruit nationally and they don't have a lot of prospects locally. So I think also a lot of the big 10 programs will benefit getting kids up from Florida and Georgia. Uh, Mich- you know, Michigan would benefit. Michigan state would benefit. Ohio State a little bit too, even though they have Ohio uh, to bank on there. So I think Notre Dame, you know, Nebraska is probably the biggest winner because they got nothing locally. Notre Dame is at least still in the Midwest. Um, but I think Notre Dame would be in your top five programs that will benefit most from the early official visits. So, I, you know, it's it's a good thing. I, I mean, I, I, your, your point is very well taken, and, and I'm sure we'll see Notre Dame take advantage of that. And uh, and so that's exciting for them. The no two-a-days, I, I don't think, is... is uh, They've gone away from that so much. Yeah, I you know, again, I can remember the time when you had two-a-days for five or six straight days in the fall. I think Brian Kelly liked the three he had because it tests them mentally. Probably more. It's not that yeah. they didn't hit both two a days. You know, they went out there and they had to get through practice the second one. And it, you saw this coming from football. No two a days. I mean, I, I think, think it's kind. Of, been coming think, a long time. Right? Yeah, I it's, think that's kind of dangerous legislation yeah. because you 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 also run the risk of of players not being physically prepared for what they're going to encounter, especially in September when it's it's hot. You see guys suffer through hydration in opening games all the time. Yeah, they could have probably found a way to litigate contact on either part of the two a day. So you're out there working just, in the pads, but right. you're not getting hit. You're not. You're, but it's just you know, easier for them to, to monitor and legislate. I guess I don't know why you wouldn't just do a strenuous workout away, like a non-practice, like whether it be a lift or a run. Well, that's true. Or what? Or can your two now, that way. now will will some of those single practices be a little bit longer than could, they yeah, could normally might have been? If you, know, you if you can't creatively figure out how to yeah. how to manufacture the stress of a two-a-day like yeah no you're not you're just not doing a great job as a coach you've Uh, got these guys they'll they'll figure it out you've got these guys for basically 12 months a year once they sign a national letter of intent so yeah you should be able to figure it out especially with matt bayless on your your yeah i think also that's that's a good point with the football so 12 months a year whereas when the two-a-days were instituted it was right four months everybody went home during the summer yeah we've sort of i think graduated out of the puke fest necessity yeah. of the two-a-day, right. right? I mean, and we've been out of it for 15 years. It's like, you better come back in shape in August. You know, I mean, that's kind of, that's yeah. really that's what kind of be, what it right? was. Yeah. 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 We're going to kick your butt otherwise. <laughs> now they're like, well, you're in great shape anyway. Yeah. So not yeah. that big of a deal. All right. So who's, uh, who's coming in this week, Pete? Well, I think the ones, there probably end up being a dozen, maybe 20 guys come in at the end. There are some 2019 guys worth knowing. Bo Robbins would be high on that list. He's a borderline top hundred Four-star defensive end from around Indianapolis. So 
that's sort of worth its weight in gold. But the guys that are in the senior, the rising senior class that you really need to know and track, Kevin Austin, he's a wide receiver from South Florida. He was MVP among the receivers at the Nike camp in Miami. It's pretty significant considering the talent down there. Another receiver coming in who's interesting is Chase Cota from Oregon. Good friends with Braden Lindsey. Uh, I don't know if they're traveling together per se, but um, Coda, pretty much interest from all the Pac-12. Bigger guy, um, but really good speed too. Uh, in terms of Ohio guys, you've got LaChristian Smith from Huber Heights Wayne. He's scheduled to be there. Not somebody Notre Dame has been overly involved with. He's Is he a Alize Jones type tight end? Is he more of just a big receiver? Um, seems to be more just a big receiver. I'd prefer an Alize Jones type yeah, tight end. Yeah, that'd be fine too. Um, <laughs> Dallas Gant, the linebacker, Notre Dame's been on him forever. He'll decide in May. It's pretty much Notre Dame, Michigan, or Ohio State. Uh, and then P.J. Mustaford, that's a significant visit for Notre Dame because that's a very, very athletic, in-shape fit defensive tackle who's bigger than Sam. Um, it's a guy they need to get. I mean, it's a, he's a top 150 athletic defensive tackles. They're hard to find anyway. They're even harder to find where they have brothers on the team. So that's a big one. And then there are a handful of corners who are coming in and Notre Dame wants to evaluate Dominique Hampton from Arizona. Eric Hatlett from Hallett from Texas. Um, those are two. Justin Birdsong from Georgia. Those are cornerbacks without offers. Um, Notre Dame will evaluate them while they're here. There's another cornerback from Alabama who's coming in, uh, whose name escapes me. I think it's Kagan Campbell. So that's another one. So there's some evaluation, some positions. Look, they need to they need to do more at corner. They only have one committed. They didn't take one last year, and they need to get closer to the finish line with some guys too. PJ Mustafer would be high on my list. Kevin Austin as well. Um, our new recruiting house, Kevin Sinclair, spoke to Kevin Austin. Said he's he's not going to commit on the visit, but he's coming up with both his parents. To me, that's always significant on unofficial visits because they have to pay their way to get here too. Mm, right. So overall, it's, is it a this blockbuster banner recruiting list, not it's certainly not the Clawson Aurelius Ben level of visitors, but it's another good list. It's it's what Notre Dame needs to accomplish on these spring games is get guys from out of area and give them a whole lot of attention and hope you can come away with a couple of commitments. They've got twelve right now. There's not a ton of room in this class, but the guys are coming in with offers they really like are are high on their board. You know what my follow up question is? Uh, who's going to commit? Yep. Okay. <laughs> Not necessarily now, but who do you feel they have the best guys, chances? Guys with? on this board, I think, will end up this class. Kevin Austin, P.J. Mustafer. Um, I'll take that. Beyond that, I don't... I think that the other guys are reaches or they just have a lot of room to, to move. Tyreek Smith was a guy they wanted to get on campus. I don't think he's going to end up here. But if you could give me P.J. Austin and... Or, I'm sorry, Kevin Austin and P.J. Mustafer, I ignore him and I would, would say, great, let's let's move forward with 14 commitments. If they now. get them both, you can call him P.J. Austin. And, yeah, and Kevin and Mustafer. Kevin Mustafer. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, our next podcast, I think we're going to be back Monday, right, to recap the blue-gold yeah. game, um, talk a little bit more recruiting. Um, will we have any great revelations? Will we feel more optimistic about the season or more <laughs> pessimistic about the season? A question will be uh, asked. Neutral. And asking each other from now until August, but... Until then, Tim Priester, Tim O'Malley, I'm Pete Sampson. You've been listening to another edition of Irish Illustrated Insider, brought to you by irishillustrated.com.